0: Again, the scripture reading this morning is from Luke, chapter 22, verses 32 through
1: 43.
0: 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Lord, bless his holy word.
1: Thank you, Bruce. You've heard it said, what a difference a, a day makes. Well, um, that was never more true uh, than in the week we call Holy Week. Jesus enters uh, Jerusalem triumphantly. Uh, the crowds are adoring him and they're hailing him as king. Uh, they're waving palm branches and putting palms down before him. Palm is a symbol uh, of royalty, it also is a symbol of Jewish nationalism, uh, because they believed that he was going to restore uh, Israel, he was going to deliver them from their oppressors, in this case uh, from the empire of Rome, and they hailed him with much expectation. So that's Palm Sunday, but by the time we get to a Friday that we we call Good Friday. Um, he was no longer hailed as king. He was spat upon. He was mocked. And he was called a criminal. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. All in a matter of just a few days. In our passage this morning, we see Jesus being led to the cross and crucified. And as He hangs on the cross, dying, shedding His blood so that you and I can have forgiveness of sin, as He pays the price for our sin, there are four groups of people that address Him. And each address Him speaking an aspect of truth the truth of, of who He is, but then they also um, mock Him and encourage Him uh, to do something. Let's look at this more closely. Let me show you what I'm talking about in Luke 23, beginning uh, in verse 32. It says, "...two other men, both criminals..." were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, or Golgotha, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And of course, that... In the fulfillment of Scripture. But I want you to pay close attention here to verses 35, uh, 36, and 39. In 35, it says, The people stood watching. Okay, the people. Uh, They stood watching. By this time, uh, all but just a few of his followers, mostly women, Uh, they were still there, but the rest had abandoned him. And the crowds, the rest stood watching, and the rulers, the religious leaders, they even sneered at him. And this is what they said. Now catch this. He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah and the chosen one. Well, the truth is he. He is God's Messiah. And he is the, the chosen one of Israel. But he's a king who didn't come to have others save him. He came as king to save others. The very people who were mocking and, and jeering at him. And so they said, let him save Himself. Then verse 36. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are king of the Jews, of course, Jesus was king of the Jews, he is king of the Jews. They say the same thing. If you're king of the Jews, Save yourself. So now we have the people and the rulers, the religious leaders, both saying, Save yourself, as they mock him. And then verse 38, There was written, notice above him, which read, This is the king of the Jews. And then verse 39, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Save yourself and us. Four different types of people, the the common people that were gathered around the cross, the religious leaders, the rulers, the soldiers... And the criminal, all in mocking him, encourage him to do one thing, save yourself. It's uh, really representative of two other occasions where in groups of three, Jesus was confronted with whether or not he was going to fulfill the, the purpose To which he came to earth. You might recall when his ministry was inaugurated that, that he was led out into the wilderness. And how many times did Satan tempt him? Three times. And each of the three times Satan mocks him or speaks to him and speaks an element of truth relating to who he is, his identity. Uh, even as the members of the crowd do, as He's hanging on the cross. And each time, Jesus is confronted. He has to make a decision. Uh, Am I going to follow the way of the crowd, or in this case, uh, the way of the enemy? Because the enemy knew, if I get him here, I I can derail everything. I can... I can stop him before he gets going. But three times, Jesus responds. And Jesus stands up to the enemy. Jesus continues His mission. Well, then we read, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He's praying, and He's praying intensely. And three times He... Ask the Heavenly Father, Father, if it be Thy will, let this cup pass. Three times. And on the third time, He responds, But Father, not my will. Your will be done. And then here again on the cross, three times, three times He's told, Save Yourself. And each time, Jesus responds. And he responds by pouring out not only his blood, but his love and his forgiveness for those who are mocking him. You know, it's interesting, as he was hailed king, and then we get to Good Friday, and he's a common criminal, the crowds thin out. There are fewer and fewer and fewer who are willing to follow Him to the cross for fear of their own lives. And as we look at this passage, and as we consider the events of that week, where do we find ourselves? As Jesus journeys to the cross, at what point? do we step aside? At what point do we look out for our own well-being? At what point do we say, Jesus, following you is too costly? At what point do we look out for ourselves rather than remain faithful to our Savior? That is what the people that Holy Week, we're faced with. But you know what? The the same is true of of you and of me. Are we going to follow Jesus to the cross? Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with His death. We give our lives over to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not a terrible end of an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. But it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. And then he says these words that are very famous. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls us, it's an invitation to, to follow Him. Yes, even to the cross. He bids us come and die. But the only way that we can follow Him is if we're willing to die to ourselves. To die to ourselves. You may be familiar With this illustration, I've used it before. I have here three tea bags. This one says Lipton Decaf, this one says Bigelow Green Tea. And this one is uh, good earth, spicy tea. Each of these tea bags this morning could be representative of different types of Christians. Okay? Uh, you, you have the decaffeinated Christian Okay? Uh, who wants to, to follow Christ, but wants to do so safely? Uh, they believe that the Christian life um, is all about the happy life, the protected life, the, the good life, uh, where there are minimal challenges and adversities uh, in which God watches over me, and uh, I'm exempt somehow. From the sufferings, the challenges, the adversities that that Christ Himself experienced during His time on earth. I, I want to live the caffeinated, safe life. That's a type of Christian. Perhaps that might be descriptive of one of you this morning. Then there's the second bag, that's that's the green tea bag. Uh, they recognize that. Life isn't safe, and and they're following Jesus. But what happens to them when difficulties and adversity come? How do they respond? More importantly, what comes out of them? What do they exhibit? And then, of course, there's the third bag, the good earth bag, the, the spicy Christian bag. And this is representative of the Christian who recognizes that when Christ calls us, He bids us come and die. And they're willing to walk with Jesus and follow Him, even to the cross, even to the place of recognizing that dying to self is required in order to live for the sake of others, in order to follow Jesus and to fulfill uh, His mission, to be a part of declaring His message and mission on earth. And so we see these three different types of tea bags representing three different types of Christians. But here's the real question How do we know what's inside? How do we know? We know what's inside when the hot water is poured over the tea bag. And the same is true in your life and mine. As followers of Jesus Christ, we really know. What's inside when we're tested? When the hot water of life is poured out over us? That's when we really see what's inside. And as we come to Palm Sunday and as we look forward to Good Friday, as we journey with Jesus to the cross, There's plenty of opportunity for us to examine ourselves and to be honest with ourselves and with God. Though, when the hot water of life is poured out over us, what kind of Christian are we? Who do we aspire to be? Are we like Jesus, willing to live our lives for the sake of others? Or will we persist in living our lives for the sake of ourselves? The question is, are we trying to save our lives or are we willing to lose it? Jesus says this in Luke 9, 23-24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life, will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. A martyred missionary, Jim Elliott, says it this way. A man is no fool to give up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose.
2: say See- transgression
1: On February 3rd, 1943, a troop transport bound for Europe filled with 930 American servicemen was struck in the middle of the night by a torpedo from a a German U-boat and began to sink about 100 miles off the coast of Greenland. Uh, You can imagine in the panic of, of the moment The electricity out on the ship, water pouring in, uh, men dazed, uh, barely awake. Um, It was an awful, awful scene. But there were four men, each of them chaplains. Three chaplains. Uh, One was a Catholic priest, two were Protestant ministers. The fourth uh, was a, a rabbi. And the four chaplains calmly uh, led men um, from the hull of the ship where they were sleeping up the decks to the lifeboats, encouraging them, praying for them, guiding them to safety. Well, there weren't enough life jackets. And each of the four chaplains took off their life jackets and gave them to one of the troops. And then as the lifeboats left the ship, the four chaplains stood on the deck singing, praising God, and praying The priest in Latin, the rabbi in Hebrew, the two Protestant chaplains, of course, in English, praying for the men, those who were already overboard, adrift in the 32-degree chilly water, and those in the, the lifeboats. Of the 930 who went into the water, 250 survived. But all who survived remembered one thing. The bravery, the love, the unselfishness, the prayers, the willingness of the four chaplains to give away their life jacket. And all those who survived remember seeing them as the ship went down along the railing, praying and singing to God. Well, you may not be familiar with that story, but in 1948, the U.S. Postal Service actually had a stamp commemorating it. Saw a picture of it, three cents. Called the Four Chaplains. And in 1988, through an act of Congress, they declared February 3rd a National Day of Remembrance for all time called Four Chaplains' Day. There are few who even know that, and there are even fewer who celebrate it. But what are they celebrating? They're celebrating the gift that those four men gave so that others might live. Four chaplains willing to give away their life vests as we consider our Savior going to the cross, as we journey with Him, as we hear the mocking of the people and of the rulers and of the soldiers and even the criminal, we hear them yelling and mocking, Jesus, save yourself. But Jesus died, not saving Himself but saving us for our sins. Now, here's the question. Few of us will ever be faced with the situation the four chaplains were of giving away our our life vest and dying so that others might live physically. But each of us has a choice to make as we follow Jesus to the cross. Are we going to save ourselves Are we going to live for ourselves? Are we going to live a decaffeinated Christian life? (laughs) When the hot water is poured out over us, what's going to come out? What will people see? Will they see self-centeredness and selfishness? Or will they see selflessness and Christ-likeness? You see, the message today as we follow Jesus to the cross is this. Are you going to take off your life vest of safety? And are you going to live your life fully committed to the mission and the message of the gospel? Are you willing to live your life for the sake of others? That they may know the truth of who Jesus is. Are you willing to take off your life vest? Are you willing to die to self? Paul in Acts 20, 24 says this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Pastor and chaplain of the Senate decades ago, Peter Marshall wrote this. Faith is the means of dying and rising with Christ. And the death and resurrection of Christ is the model or pattern on which our new life is founded and given form and meaning. Paul says it this way. Again, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Life is full of Good Fridays and Holy Saturdays and Easter Sundays. Friday is a day of suffering, of pain, of agony. Saturday's a day of doubt and misery and confusion. But Sunday, oh yes, Resurrection Sunday, it's a day of hope, a day of joy, and a day of victory. And we are reminded as we travel with Jesus to the cross, that we face these three days, the Fridays, the Saturdays, and the Sundays, over and over and over again in our lifetime. But here are three questions. First, what do I do? What do I do? in my days of pain, in my days of suffering, when life seems to bring agony, hurt. Secondly, how do I get through my Saturday, my days of confusion, my days of doubt, my days of looking at life and saying, what happened? This isn't turning out the way I thought it would. My hopes are extinguished. My dreams seem to be dashed. They died on Friday. And three, how do I get to Sunday? How do I get to the days of joy and victory? How do I get there? The answer is this live resurrection. Live. Live resurrection. Live with a resurrection perspective on life. To understand that what we're called for is based on who's called us and what we're called to. That our lives on earth are but for a moment. But we're living for something much greater. And because we're living for something much greater, we can live for something much greater than ourselves. We can even face death and we can say as the Apostle Paul did in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Oh, death, where is your staying. Oh death, where is your victory? Right? But death is swallowed up in the victory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can live with a resurrection perspective on life. But we can live with resurrection power for life. Do you realize That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that emptied the tomb, is the power that fills our life through the Holy Spirit. And that we can live not in our own strength, but the life that He calls us to. A life of surrender and sacrifice, a life of living for others rather than ourselves, a life in which He says, Take off your life jacket, can only be lived. In the power of the resurrection. And finally, live resurrection with resurrection purpose in life. That we're called not to save our lives. But to lose our lives for the sake of others. And that in losing our lives... We save them. Live resurrection purpose in life. In the end, C.S. Lewis sums it up this way. There are only two kinds of people in the end. There are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. Or those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Which will you be?